does this get better? How do I fix this? I used to ask that for years, every single day of my life. You see, I thought I can fix anything. If I can just help him to see, if I could just find the right words, if I could just find the right environment, then this could get better. How does this get better? You know, I get asked this by so many other people, victims who are in the exact place that I used to be, women and men who are desperate for things to get better. And the people asking this, they're the ones who are willing to do whatever it takes. They're the ones who are dedicated with every fiber of their being. If they could just find the right answer. I'm Renee Swanson, your host of the Covert Narcissism Podcast. And thank you so much for joining us today. I have a Facebook group called Covert Narcissism Group, and, and many of you, I think, are members of that group. And, and if you're not and you want to be, please go check it out. It's a closed group, but you can find it in a search. Go to Facebook and search Covert Narcissism Group, and you'll find me there. And, and you're always welcome to reach out to me anytime you want. We have over 51,000 members in that group, and these are people who, just like you, are asking the same question. How does this get better? We're so determined to fix it. We, we just want to find the right words, the right answers. We want to recreate that love that we thought we had with this person. Well, let me tell you something. Your life gets better when you put yourself back as the main character of your own life. This is what we're going to talk about today. Think about it for a minute. Who is currently the main character of your life? And I'm going to change that question even just a little bit closer to reality. Who is the main character of your mental life? Who do you spend the most time thinking about? The most time worrying about? Who do you pour the most energy into? And since you are in this podcast, listening to this podcast, I'm guessing that it is a narcissistic person. Be it a parent, a spouse, a friend, a, an adult child. It is a narcissistic person. If you are in an intimate relationship with a covert narcissist, that, that can be a spouse or it can even be a close family member, but, in, but an intimate relationship, somebody who, who you have as part of your daily life, then that person plays a very dominant role in your mental world, in your headspace. For 21 years of my life, the main character of my life was my husband. My entire purpose for living was for him. My energy was spent trying to keep him happy, trying to avoid conflict, trying to help him succeed, to help him have a relationship with his own children, to help him to have friends, to help him succeed in his hobbies. I poured all of my energy into him. You know, I used to rack my brain trying to figure out something that he could do with his boys that would go well. Now, that was a challenge. You know, I, I would come up with ideas of things that they could do together that maybe would end in a peaceful way, something that would not end in a disaster, that would not end with him, you know, yelling or, or you know, raging, something that he could not possibly screw up. I did not realize how impossible of a task that was. And then I would stay involved with him and the boys while they were playing. Like I, I had to be there too, trying to, you know, make things go smooth, trying to keep things positive and trying to keep their attention, my, my boys, to keep all of their attention to their dad in a positive way. 
you know, if they were outside playing catch, I would make sure that they threw it to him. I'd say, hey, now, throw, throw it to your dad now. And, and then I would cheer, you know, yay, good catch or good throw. And when they were throwing, um, you know, that football, I, we might even say, you know, we'd play out in the backyard. We'd be on opposite ends of the yard. And I'd say, hey, go down there with your dad and see who can catch it. I put all the effort into making sure that they were close to him. They were around him. They were doing things with him. And even still, things were constantly a disaster. You know, I even was to the point where I made sure that they invited him out to play with us. If we were just headed out in the backyard to play football and he, you know, most of the time was just sitting in his chair playing games on his phone, I would just tell him, hey, make sure, you you know, go ask dad to come out and play. And they didn't always like that. Their reaction was not always positive to that. And I said, no, 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 go get him. It'll be fine. I'll stay out here and play with you guys. It'll be fine. You know, and another example, if we were playing on the Wii or on a PlayStation, one of the, you know, one of the consoles, I'd say, go see if your dad wants to play too. You know, he's really good at games. He, he loves playing these. And here I was again, you know, trying to make sure this was a positive time. And, and then when he was here, I'd say, here, honey, take my turn with them. You guys, you know, challenge your dad and see if you can beat him. Stepping out of the way, trying to make sure he had time with his children. Of course, then I had to stay there and stay part of the conversation because I could smooth things out over and over. And if one of the boys wanted to play with me, I, I might or might not take a turn. I'd say, no, your dad's better at it than me. You know, play with him. Always trying to include him. Always trying to help him always trying to make him look good and to have positive time with his kids. I worked harder at this than he did. Everything was all about him. Well, whose life am I living? Am I living his life? You know, we would go to church functions and I was the one trying to make sure that he was included, that he felt valued even when we were at you know, our social events with our church friends. I remember more than once when he was trying to join a conversation with our friends at church and they weren't hearing him. He, he really struggled with trying to, to participate in just typical conversations. And then he'd start getting mad because people were not hearing him or people were talking through him. And I could tell he's sitting there in his chair huffing and getting a little aggravated. And people talk through each other in social settings all the time. But he took it so personally, and and everybody just talks right through me, and nobody listens. And I remember more than once speaking up to that group and saying, hang on a minute. I would stop the entire group. Hang on, hang on. He wants to say something. And then he would go on and say what he wanted to say, but it was awkward. It was weird. But, but it was how I, you know, tried to help him, trying to make sure he could join the conversation. He just wasn't capable of doing it. He couldn't figure out how to jump in or how to, how to listen to the silence and the give the ebb and flow of a conversation. But I was so tuned into his feelings, even in that social setting. I wasn't paying attention to my involvement in the social setting. I was tuned into his feelings all the time. And so I knew when he wanted to, I knew when he was struggling with this, and I played that role. So who was the main character of my life? It sure wasn't me. My life was all about him. Well, who's the main character of your life? If somebody wrote a book about your life, who would the main character be? It should be you. This is the only life you have. It's the only life you get. So you should be that main character. Quit taking responsibility for him or her in your life. Whoever 
that may be. Quit fixing everything for them. Quit pouring all of your time, energy, and efforts into helping them. They get to be their own person and you get to be yours. They get to be their own main character and I assure you that they are. But you get to be yours. Quit working so hard to help them to get better. You are almost certainly pouring more effort into it than they are. You are pouring more energy into it than they are. Quit helping them to do this. You know, quit helping them to connect with others, even their own children or their friends. You're working harder at it than they are. And it's very possible that you want it for them more than they even want it for themselves. Your life needs to be about you. Take responsibility for yourself. Focus on yourself and your own happiness. And if you start saying, well, isn't that being selfish? No, there is a huge difference between self care and selfishness. And we're going to talk more about that later. Uh, And it may be a little bit in this episode and definitely in more to come. Whether you are still in a relationship or not, you have to make yourself the main character of your own life. Quit making your life about this other person. Yes, they are a piece of your life, but they should not be your main character. So my question to you is, what do you want to spend your time doing? You know, if you weren't thinking about narcissistic abuse so much, what would you be thinking about? How would you be spending your day if you weren't pouring all this time and energy into narcissism? Whatever the answers are to these questions, you need to start doing some of this. How do you want to spend your time? Sewing, learning a language, going out with friends, exercising, reading, you know, gardening? I don't know. This is your life. How do you want to spend it? You only get one shot at this. You need to do these things that you want to do. Now, another piece of all of this, and this is where I think it gets hard to get them out of our mental space. You know, it's easier to get them out of your life than it is to get them out of your head. And, and many people, you know, once a relationship is over, they manage to actually get out of the relationship. And that's hard enough as it is. But they manage to get out of the relationship. But then I'll ask them later. could be years later. And I say, well, who's the main character now of your headspace? And it's still that person. It is harder to get them out of your head than it is to get them out of your life. So, so why, why is that? And and I think a lot of it is because we can't make sense out of what happened. A lot of it is because we carry so much of the trauma inside of us. You know, you, you have to find ways to deal with that trauma and get it out. And one of the ways I want to talk about here is when all the reacting that we do to their abuse, when, when they're being abusive or they're being, you know, they're raging or they're throwing things, all these things that they do, we react to that. We, and that's normal. That's, that's human nature. And I understand that. But those reactions make our life, our thoughts, our feelings, everything all about this person. And their abuse, can, it ruins our days and it stays in our minds for hours, days, weeks, months, and years. We carry it with us everywhere we go. We mentally argue with them. I don't know about you, but I did that. Oh, my word, I did that. 
hours and hours, days and days, I would mentally argue with him, making logical arguments of why what he was saying didn't make sense or what he was doing didn't make sense and, and how it was hurting me, how it was hurting our boys. And I would defend myself. I created arguments and counter arguments. And boy, they could have been put before the Supreme Court because they were so, by the, by the time I had gone through it a thousand times in my head, they were so eloquently put. And I thought he can't possibly uh, argue, he can't possibly disagree with me on this because I had figured out all the right ways to say it. You know, we analyze and overanalyze. Now, many of those arguments never got voiced. Most of them stayed in my head. And so while you may be at the main point of your life where, where the main character is you, who's the main character of your mental life who occupies that headspace? You know, we, we think about our abuser over and over. We talk about him or her to our friends and family. We get to the point where we will talk about this to anyone who will listen because we are so desperate to make sense out of it. But it simply feeds the fact that the abuser stays as the main character in our life. I'm not telling you not to figure it out. Yes, you need, you need answers, that you need resolution inside your own mind. You're never going to get closure with a narcissistic person. So don't try to get the closure there, but you do need to get closure inside of you. You do need to find ways to be able to, to process this. So I understand all the research. I understand, you know, all the trying to, trying to talk about it to friends and family and trying to make sense out of it. So I'm not saying don't take that path. Do take that path. But at some point, you have to be able to say the prosecution rests. At some point, you have to let go of all the arguments going on inside your head and, and take your life back. And yes, you can do that. It will happen. Um, it will happen when it's the right time, but, but know that that time will come. One of the things I strongly encourage you to do, if you have, um, and, and if you're with a narcissistic person, you absolutely have this. If you have uh, an event in your life with that person, that is still just lingering in your mind, something that, that just was, was traumatic to you, you know, a time that he raged and yelled and, and you just could not understand and, and there was confusion and that peace still lingers inside you. Well, what happens is when, when we're in that type of a, an abusive situation and, and we can't fight back, we can't, we can't flee and we can't fight back. Those are the two reactions we have, that fight or flight syndrome. And when we can't do this, then the energy, that, that adrenaline burst inside of us that wants us to flee or to fight back, that, that energy gets trapped. It gets trapped inside your body. Like it, it literally gets trapped inside your body. And, and I, I firmly believe these are places where it gets trapped inside the body. These are places that many, many years later, when this happens over and over and over, can become very vulnerable to things such as cancer or autoimmune diseases or all these illnesses that are playing out in the lives of so many victims. So, so one of the ways that I have found that, that definitely has helped me to release that energy is, is I call it an energy burn. And I think I've talked about it on this podcast before. So, so think of that time, pick one, one moment that you know still lingers inside of you and it still makes you burn inside. Find that one, replay it in your mind. Remember how it felt. Remember and, and let that energy, that fight or flight energy, let it come back up. Now, before you do this, have a plan in place for some type of, of 
exercise or, or energy burn that, that burns calories, something that makes you drip in sweat. It can be going for, for an intense run if you're a runner or, or a biking if, if you're a bike, um, swimming. It could be even an aerobics exercise, you know, crank up some music that just really pounds inside your heart. Uh, it could be hitting something. Personally, I, I like to hit. I'm a, I'm a martial artist. So so get a bag out that you can punch, that you can that you can kick, but but do it safely. Make sure you know you know how to punch before you go punching things. Don't hurt your wrist. Um, but find something, some type of energy burn that will burn calories. Now replay in your mind that event. Let yourself feel that fight or flight energy that did not get spent, and spend it now. Pour it into that exercise. Let it. Let yourself feel that that burn. If you've got a hard workout, you know that you could do a hard workout. Now's the time. Now's the time to pour that energy into that workout and let it burn. Let it do it. Do it. And 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 at the end of that, I promise you, you will feel the release of some of that energy. You might have to do it multiple times, depending on how many years this has been sitting inside of you and and the intensity of it, but you will feel some of that energy burn and let it, let it burn and let it roll off of you like the sweat that's rolling down your back. I hope that this helps. I I promise you it will. I go do this. Now don't do it with every workout you have. You got to have some workouts that are just about you that just feel good. So don't do it every single time. This is one of those kind of things I wouldn't do more than like once a week or once every other week, something like that. But, but, um, but I do know that this will help you. And I promise you that, that it will help to burn off some of that energy. You need to take your life back. And you can do this, even if you're raising kids, I promise you, you know, if you're raising kids, your life is going to be revolving around them for a while. And yes, that's a role that you play in your life, but it's a role. It's a role. Your life still is about you. And if, as your children grow and they become more and more self-aware, they become the main character of their own life. And we're going to talk about that more later. You need to know how to help your children. Your children, they're also going to go through this. They're the main character in their life and in their headspace is that narcissistic parent. And that can get hard. That can get challenging. And I do want to dive into that for those of you who are parents, you know, raising kids with a narcissistic partner. And they need to see that you also are taking charge back of your own life, that you are the main character of your own life. So, so know that that is coming. That's a separate episode, but it absolutely needs to... to be a part of what we're doing on this journey. No one else is going to care for you like you can. No one is going to understand your thoughts and feelings like you do. You deserve that care and you deserve to be the main character of your life. I never dreamed how much I would actually enjoy podcasting. When it was first suggested to me, I'll be honest, I was a bit intimidated by the thought. But when I found Anchor, I quickly realized how easy this was going to be. Anchor provides me with the tools to record and edit right within their program. I don't need additional software. I didn't even need to know how to distribute the podcast because they do it all for me. I would not be where I am today as a podcaster without Anchor. It's all you need and completely free. If you are looking to get started, download the Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thank you.